let's just listen, see what happens today. Uh, please, nobody go outside. Okay, let's. Uh, whoo. Uh, uh, to our visitors and guests, it's not always like this. We are friendly. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> you know, today we're continuing to look at the soul toxins that we allow in our lives and, and what we can do to get rid of them and, and not allow them to rule over us. And I, I commissioned Miss Lillian a few weeks ago to put together a little something to kind of set the tone and well done uh, Janet thank you <laughs> they really are friends I just want you to know that uh, uh, today's toxin is one that it can be hidden really well it's a toxin that we may never truly see in others because it's one of those that takes root and it grows beneath the surface but it's a very strong toxin it's it's very destructive and as I said its roots grow deep when we allow it to and as Miss Lillian said it's bitterness now, you may be thinking, oh, bitterness, that's not a big deal. It's just parking spaces and seats and, you know, why all the fuss? You know, if you go back and look at some of the horrible things that have happened in our lifetime, bitterness is the root cause. Look back just 20 years to things on a national level, not just community level, but national level, things that have happened, and bitterness is the root cause. Look back just a few years at some of the things for instance, at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, three people were killed and three others wounded in a shooting on February 12th, 2010, just a few years ago. During the course of a routine meeting of the biology department attended by approximately 12 people, a professor stood up and began shooting those people closest to her with a 9mm handgun. I'm sure being in Huntsville, you've seen or heard the story, Amy Bishop a biology professor at the university, and the sole suspect was charged with one count of capital murder and three counts of attempted murder. On September 11, 2012, she pleaded guilty to those charges in order to avoid the death penalty. You know, on September 24th, she was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. Here's the thing. In March 2009, she'd been denied tenure at the University of Huntsville here or University of Alabama, Huntsville. She was beginning her last semester there. That's the university policy. When you've been denied tenure, you get your final sem- uh, semester there. So how does somebody go from, to a place where they can just walk into a business meeting and calmly shoot six people? I mean, nobody just wakes up and says, I think I'll go shoot people today. You don't do that. Here's the thing. Amy Bishop is married. She's the mother of four children. She grew up in a little town in Massachusetts. She completed her undergraduate degree at Northeastern University in Boston. She earned her Ph.D. in genetics from Harvard University. She is not what we would consider a thug or a hardened criminal. In 1993, her thesis at Harvard was titled The Role of Methozaxton in the Respiratory Burst of Phagocytes. Apparently, she earned it. It was 137 pages in length. Her research interests include things like the induction of adaptive resistance to nitric oxide in the central nervous system. I have no idea what that is. And she, she likes to, to follow up on the utilization of motor neurons for the development of neural circuits grown on biological computer chips. I didn't even know we had biological computer chips. An anonymous source at Harvard stated that Bishop's work was of poor quality 
and undeserving of a doctorate degree, calling it local scandal number one. Ooh, that's harsh. That's, we could call that maybe a, a seed being planted. Something starts to grow in somebody when you say something like that about their baby. When you call their baby ugly, you start to get offended. You know, she joined the, the faculty of the Department of Biological Sciences at the University of Alabama in Huntsville as an assistant professor in 2003. She was teaching five courses prior to the shooting. Previously, she was an instructor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. She and her husband competed in a technological competition, and they developed a portable cell incubator. Wow, that's impressive. They actually came in third place in, in uh, promoting this in a competition, and they won $25,000. The university's president stated the incubator would change the way biological and medical research is conducted. Man, that's, that's good, right? That's almost enough to, to brush some of that Harvard bitterness under the, under the rug. Well, they didn't know what they were talking about. Look what I did here at third place. I'm taking it a different level. Some of the scientists that were consulted by the press declared that the machine they created was unnecessary and too expensive. Ooh, another seed. According to a friend and a fellow member of a writing group in Massachusetts, Bishop had written three unpublished novels. Fancy that. You wouldn't expect that out of that. Reportedly, the novels reveal a deep preoccupation with the concept of deliverance from sin. She might have a little bit of Jesus in her. She's also the second cousin to the novelist John Irving. Some of you may know or have read some of his stuff. But it, we're told that as a member of the Hamilton Writers Group, while living in Massachusetts in the late 1990s, she apparently saw writing as her ticket out of academia. But members of the club said she would frequently cite her Harvard degree and ties to Irving to boost her credentials as a serious writer. Another member once described her as smart but abrasive in her interactions and the way that she talked to people. Felt, they felt that she felt she was entitled to praise. Seeing some more of this bitterness being planted in her life. Also find out due to the attention she's attracted as a result of this shooting here in Huntsville, previous incidents that she had somehow related to have been reevaluated uh, in 1986. Apparently, she shot and killed her brother in Braintree, Massachusetts, in an incident that was officially ruled as an accident. And along with her husband, she was questioned in a 1993 pipe bomb incident directed toward one of her lab supervisors. Let me stop here for a second. This sermon is not about Amy Bishop, I want to assure you that. And I'm also in no way passing eternal or physical judgment on her. But when I started to look into her story... What at the surface just seemed somebody kind of snapped and had an extremely bad day. When I started looking back at her life, it seems to me it's a story where her actions have been fueled by bitterness and resentment. I realize this is a, a, rather, extreme, a rather extreme illustration for bitterness, but it's real. And, and it, it happened right here in our community. See, we think, we think of bitterness as parking spots and seats that's that's mine i was here first i deserve that nobody likes to think of bitterness for what it is that big exposed ugliness and i told you at the beginning of this series as we start exposing things man sin is ugly and, and bitterness it, it comes so deep but it's real her bitter actions 
One woman's bitter actions have changed the lives of many people. And they have impacted way more than just the 12 people that were in that meeting with her. Bitter roots run deep. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray this morning, as we look at your word, as we look at what our world has become, oh Lord, you will open our hearts. I pray that you will, your spirit will move amongst us. You'll give us, give us clean hands and pure hearts. You'll let us see what we need to do to be different. Lord, I pray if, if any of us are harboring bitterness, no matter how small or how large, that by the time we leave here today, we will have the outlet. We will have the ability to walk away from it, to leave it, and that we'll allow you to help us deal with it. I pray that you would just... Speak boldly today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Like I said, bitter roots and, and resentment, they're at the heart of some of our biggest tragedies. Think about it just in the last 20 years. 9-11, all the different school shootings that have happened, the attack on Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. How many stories have you seen on the news that you can clearly see bitterness as the reason someone did something? They're everywhere. Almost every day this week, this was a tough sermon to write because every day I turned on the news and there was something and they all came back to revenge or to getting even. And those are all parts of that bitterness, that root that we allow to take place in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32 says this. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer. But rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good. So that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification. According to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we're sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Bitterness is known in the Bible as a spiritual poison. I call it a soul toxin. It's also a way that we allow Satan to get a foothold in our lives. You see, it's, it's the source of countless spiritual and physical problems in millions of people's lives today. The Bible tells us that many are defiled by the means of bitterness. Many are defiled. Bitterness can be tricky to recognize. It, it's not a symptom it's, it's not visible on the surface like anger usually is. Many people say they're not angry or hateful, but that's not what bitterness is all about. Bitterness is that underlying problem that doesn't always manifest on the outside, but it dwells in a person's system. Remember Amy Bishop's story? You can see in, in just that snapshot of her life that I gave you how bitterness dwelled and grew in her and how what she thought she deserved 
Bitterness is a root, and if we're not careful, it's a root that can take over everything we should be about as Christians. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. What is a root? It's the source. Kind of like a, a, a spring is the root source of, a, of, a, of a, an actual body of water. Kind of like the root that grows deep that gets our trees to grow tall. It lays under the surface. We don't want to hardly ever see roots. They don't make themselves known. But they're a source for nutrition. They're a source for fuel for other elements that are on the surface. You don't see a plant showing off its root system. But if it didn't have a root system, it wouldn't survive. It's impressive to me when we drive around and you see the size of a, of a tree after a good rain where the, the earth just couldn't sustain the root system anymore and it just falls over. And I've seen root systems taller than me. It's impressive. But they weren't deep enough. They just spread out. You don't usually see a plant showing off its roots. If you do, it's a tree on its side. It's not a good thing. A root's job is not to manifest on the surface, but to grow deep, to go down, to fuel what's on the surface, to, to grab up the nutrients around it and feed what's on top. I want to take a closer look at, at kind of the root system, if you will. As I said, the roots dwell underground beneath the surface. You can't see a root system because it's hidden under the soil. It's hidden under the, under the level there. The same thing is true with a soul toxin of bitterness in a person's soul. Bitterness is that one thing that, that we have crafted the ability to keep it under the surface. We don't just walk around going, I'm bitter. Some people do, but they're not here. <laughs> I had a teacher like that who was just bitter. It's the same thing. It's a hidden element. It lies underneath it. And out of it springs up the fruit of bitterness is things like anger. And negative emotions against other people. And, and even ultimately negative emotions against God. And against the circumstances that happen around us. People who have a root of bitterness find it easy to get upset over things that other people are doing around them. It's, it's almost like a brewing fountain that lies beneath the surface. Waiting to fuel something. And, and it just kind of keeps bubbling. It keeps bubbling. Kind of like King Saul. Do you remember him? He was David's biggest fan when David killed Goliath. But then when, when his people later were singing a song about Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands, what happened to Saul? Bitterness began to grow in his heart. It began to take root. He became relentless in hunting David. His bitterness became very public. It's not always shown publicly. It's not always out in the open like Saul or Amy Bishop or some of these other people. Bitterness is one of those things that can be kept to yourself for many years. It may never show for what it truly is. There are a lot of people that grow up hiding bitterness, and some of them do it well. And I'll give you a little spoiler alert. It's about to get uncomfortable in here. I grew up with people, uh, and, and I've read stories and and counseled with different people, but countless women who are raped every year develop an awful emotional and spiritual bondage because of it. Children that grow up in abusive homes, I have friends who grew up in abusive homes, same thing. It's, it's just this, this spiritual and emotional bondage that won't let them go because of bitterness. And, and it's not because 
necessarily the act that they were raped. And, and I make no mistake, it's a horrible thing. Child abuse on any level is a horrible thing. But because they became bitter, even, even through counseling, even in seeking help, they allowed bitterness under the surface about what was done to them years ago to be what controlled their life. I've got some friends that are adults that I was around in high school when they came to school with marks on their face and things like that. And, and they are. They're bitter adults. And I've, I've talked with them. You just got to let that go. I can't do that. It didn't happen to you. I understand. Clinton Clark once said that from his observation, it seemed in a case where boys are molested by older men and, and they forgive the molester and, and they begin to move away from it, um, they walked away without picking up unclean homosexual spirits. But those who allowed the trauma to bother them walked away with those homosexual tendencies and the bondage of that because they didn't allow, they allowed bitterness to grow in them and to take over them. You see, that's how Satan gets access into a person's life. He starts with traumas, things like rape, things like abuse, on, on any level, not that one's worse than the other, but Satan just needs a small window of opportunity. And when he gets it, through a trauma like one of these things, even when people go to counseling, even when people try to begin to work through the process and the bridge building and the healing of these awful things, studies show that it's not the act that keeps people from moving forward and getting their lives back. It's the bitterness. It's what they allow to control them after the act. And it's the unhealthy feelings that build up within a person who's been taken advantage of. We can look to Detroit and the story of the three young ladies who were just found in Ariel Castro's home after 10 years of imprisonment. These young ladies endured more than you can ever imagine, but they are working on getting their lives back together and moving forward. One of them confronted him in court, saying that, that she would not let that basically define who she is. You know, in case you didn't know this, Satan thrives on bitterness and unforgiveness. And it's a wide open door for him to move right in on a person and develop spiritual, mental, and even physical bondages that you will not be able to break free from. Many of these people who have been hurt don't express it on the outside. You would never know most abuse victims because they learn to live with it. But they hold that hurt. They hold that bitterness, those feelings inside. And no matter what they do, they fester and they grow. I know people, like I said, who, who have been raped, who have been abused. I know people who have suffered silently because a loved one was killed by a drunk driver or a random shooter or even witnessed a loved one take their own life. And they're kind and gentle and loving people, but inside they are bound up because of what was done to them many years ago. I've come to realize that just because they aren't angry and all crazy on the outside doesn't mean that they're free from the root of bitterness there, there's a country song out where a girl gets her heart broken and basically her mama's advice is hide your crazy and start acting like a lady um, it's not how it works people you got to move on you got to forgive you got to find it in yourself to release hiding your crazy doesn't do anything but fester up a much uglier version of crazy when it all comes out. I've come to realize just because they're not angry on the outside doesn't mean the root of bitterness hasn't taken a hold of them. It's a big root. 
and it, and it grows sometimes beyond our own control. And, and that's the thing. I keep saying it. Roots are not visible on the surface. But I'll tell you, they can promote ungodly anger and other emotions when it breaks free. Bitterness itself, it undermines everything. It's a root, and it makes it hard to identify. It makes it hard to expose many of the issues. But nonetheless, it's a deadly toxin, and it needs to be released. If it's left alone, it will grow and fester, and it has the ability to spring up and cause so many things. Bitterness can tear down families. Bitterness can separate churches. Bitterness has more power than what we want to give it credit for. And it can't be allowed to fester in our lives any longer. It brings things like irritability, hatred, anger. People who have, who have a root of bitterness will often find it easy to become upset over little things. It's easier for them to look at the circumstances around them as the source of their problems rather than seeing how they're handling those circumstances. Instead of letting it go and forgiving, they let it get to them and it devours them alive. It's a very common way, like I said, that Satan gets a foothold in people. Whether bitterness is, is manifest on the outside, it doesn't matter. Due to the nature of bottled up feelings and emotions, they're not always made noticeable on the surface, but they're still there. You can only hide things for so long. Brothers and sisters, if there's a root of bitterness in your life, it needs to be cut off right there. Separate yourself from it. Leave it underground. Nothing good will come from it. It needs to be removed from your soul. We need to make a choice to release all hurt and all bottled up feelings inside our systems. And this is the one nobody's going to like. We need to repent for holding on to that poison. That's what we do. We hold that poison in our hearts. You didn't do it. It may have been done to you, but you've got to let go of that and repent for holding that poison and that hatred and that bitterness. We've got to turn from those feelings and forsake them. We have to allow the Lord's love and grace to fill and minister to our souls in order to get through this toxin called bitterness. I know you're thinking, oh, it's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. You don't know what's happened to me in my life. No, I don't. But I know what's happened to me in my life. And I'll tell you this. I have wasted way too many years allowing the toxic root of bitterness to grow and fester in me. And I made a decision a few years back. I will never allow bitterness to be my God again. It's hard to say. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. It's hard to let things go. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. That's us. We have to let those things go. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Right back to back. Scripture tells us what we have to let go and what we have to do in order for that to happen. Forgive each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Oh, I can forgive, but I can never forget. Why? Why can't you forget? You like serving the God of bitterness? I don't. You can't be successful serving the God of bitterness. You cannot be a reflection of Jesus Christ when you're serving the God of bitterness. Trust me, I tried it. It doesn't work. Paul comes up. Oh, I'm not supposed to read that part. <laughs> way to keep me humble lord <laughs> paul that was your cue by the way 
<laughs> I think one of the coolest stories about overcoming bitterness is the story about Renee Napier, what she and her family went through after finding out on May 11, 2012, that their daughter Megan and her friend Lisa Dixon were killed by a drunk driver in Florida named Eric Smallridge. Now, you maybe haven't heard this story, but I know most of you have heard this song by Matthew West that, ins- that it inspired. We're going to play this video clip and just kind of check Renee it out. Napier. I don't know about you guys, but some days I need to hear that song and live out those lyrics. The only way we can uproot the soul toxin of bitterness and get rid of the destructive source of resentment is to start with forgiveness. I don't even pretend to know what the Napier family or the Dixon family have gone through. I have no concept of what that's like. I know this as I was, I was reading about the different uh, levels of this story. Megan's brother was the last one of her family to forgive Eric Smallridge. And when he did, he said to him, don't make me regret this. And Eric replied he would not let them down. Eric, coincidentally, that was November of 2012 that he was released from prison, serving 11 years of a 22-year sentence. And they're doing just that. He and Megan's mom are traveling around, and they're sharing, uh, like he said, about the dangers of drunk driving, but also about the power of forgiveness. Uh, I encourage you to to look up uh, some of the videos that are behind this and the interviews of, of Megan's mom because she actually says those words. She says, he was in prison, but I felt trapped. I felt like I was the one in jail. And she said, and I realized that, that I serve a God who demands me to forgive. And, and that's where it started was her forgiving him. We need to start with forgiveness. And then we focus our, our prayers on how we can do that. We need to hide God's word in our heart. If you want to get rid of that bitter root of, of bitterness, you have to know what his word says. The only way we can battle bitterness and the destructiveness that it brings into our lives is to spend time in the word of God, reading, praying, asking for strength. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know who has hurt you or, or how they hurt you or maybe who you have hurt in any way. But I know this. God's word says that we should forgive others just as we have been forgiven. You know, it's funny. We all want forgiveness, but when we've been attacked, hurt, or taken advantage of, or whatever it is, we don't, we don't want to forgive. Forgiveness. That's the hardest thing to give away. The last thing on your mind today. And it always goes to those that don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they caused is just too real. It takes everything you have just to say the word forgiveness. That is so true. He says it will clear the bitterness away. It can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let's go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really frees is you. So we have our response time today. I want you to do one of two things today. I want you to forgive or ask forgiveness. As this song is playing, as we're singing, if you need to do one of those two things, hey, if you need to send a text message, go ahead and turn your phones back on. If you need to step out in the hallway and make a phone call to a friend or a boss or whoever, I don't know what you need to do. 
If you need to walk across the room and, and apologize or, or start a conversation about forgiveness, I want to see that happen today. Don't walk out of here allowing the bitter root uh, or the root of bitterness to continue to grow in your heart any longer. Whether you have to walk across the room or drive across town or simply pick up the phone, today is the day that we forgive. As like I said last week, this is no longer a playground for toxic emotions. We are taking this place back, not for us, but for God. Whatever you need to do, make that response now. Will you stand and sing with us? God is bigger than these problems, and he will, they're not going to go away magically. There's not a pill, but there's a Savior, and, and he will not leave us to handle this stuff on our own. Um, he, he is here. So as you leave today, pray for, for Mindy's family. Pray for Linda. Pray uh, for all of us. And on that note, again, this evening, the elders will be here. Um, I actually think I misspoke. I said 6. I think it's actually 5.30. Um, and so I get a little excited about stuff like that. But come back. Pray with us. Uh, we pray for our community. We pray for you all. We pray for what's going on in our lives. And, and so... I just can't emphasize that enough. The first step is giving these things over to the Lord in prayer. And and, and as I said, getting into his word and knowing what it says so that you can walk through this time. I'm going to pray for these two ladies. And and, then, you know, the one thing I know is, is this. As you leave today, you can be sure of this. Bitterness never draws us closer to God. Okay? So no matter where you are, Bitterness will not allow you to be as close to God as he wants us to be. It's nonproductive, and it's a toxic emotion, and it usually results from things like resentment over what we think we should have and what we don't. Ladies, I want you to know we've got a God that cares, and, and I want you all to know that. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, it's not too small or too big for our God. But I can tell you this, it's not worth, no matter what size it is right now, it's not worth harboring that toxic bitterness in your life. Father God, I thank you that we could be here today, that we could hear your word, that we could worship, uh, and that we could love on one another. I thank you for, for Mindy. Uh, Lord, I know she's a, she's a vessel for you, and I know that she, uh, she still makes mistakes just like all of us, and I know her heart is hurting for her family right now, for her aunt and, and for everyone involved, and I pray you will be with them. You will offer peace and comfort and strength to get through these next few days. I pray that, that for Mindy and her family, bitterness will not be something that, that takes root again. I, I pray again for, for Linda, Lord, that, that you would give her strength and courage. Show her how she can go about uh, finding people, both to, to ask forgiveness of and, and to forgive. Uh, we're Like Linda, we're all private. We don't like saying that we have an issue or that we allow bitterness to, to kind of well up inside us, but we do, and you know that because you know our hearts. And so I pray that you will uh, just help us to have the strength and courage to, to set bitterness free from our lives so that we can be what you want us to be, so we can be a reflection of your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.